Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. We pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. All right, good morning. I tell you what, uh, I do not know how Clark Kent always changed so fast. That's that not fun, especially when you're wet. Hey, good morning again. We're so glad that you're here. Um, my name is TJ. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, we're excited that you're, you're here with us. There's lots of great seats available up front if anybody needs to see. I feel lonely up here. Um, but uh, anyway, before we jump into the Word today, I want to take, I'm going to time travel with you if you would. Go with me back to 2002. Anybody remember 2002? A few of you? Okay, so 2002, um, I'm on the school bus on the right side about three or four rows from the back of the bus. Y'all remember those bus seats that felt like duct tape? Anybody? And um, we're headed to an away basketball game, and we're dressed nice. We're in business casual because Coach made us dress that way. And, uh, and, and so we're riding to this game, and we've all got our uh, duffel bags full of, you know, our uniforms, our shoes, and sweat. And, uh, and we don't have smartphones. It's 2002. And so back in the olden days, before smartphones, we had to actually look at each other and talk to each other. It was really weird. And, uh, and so we were having conversations, and everybody's there, and I am the lone person on the bus with an extra accessory. Um, some of y'all have seen, like, the Disney movies or the, um, the, the, the teenage movies where in order to let the audience know who's who in the movie, like, the athletes walk around, like, the soccer player walks around all day at school with a soccer ball under his arm. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? And it's very unrealistic. But I was similarly, uh, I was a new Christian, I was new to faith, and I was walking around with this Bible just hoping that people would figure out that I'm a Christian and maybe by some form of osmosis they would just see my Bible and give, the, give their lives to Jesus. I don't know. I didn't really have much of a plan. And so I take my Bible on the bus and I don't even really know where to read. I'm just kind of flipping through it. And uh, this is a sports devotional NIV Bible that I bought at Hastings, rest in peace. Y'all remember Hastings? Um, believe it or not, I think I, anybody else with me, I think I logged more miles walking around Hastings than miles I've logged there since it's become Planet Fitness. And so I really was getting a better workout when it was at Hastings. Um, but I bought this Bible and I thought, man, this is going to be sports devotion. There's a devotion from Kurt Warner in here. This is going to help me out. And and so I take it on the bus, and sure enough, the plan is going great. My friends notice the Bible, and they start asking questions about it, right? It's so intimidating to try to talk to people about the Bible, but they start asking questions. I'm like, this is going great. And, and so then they start asking questions that I don't know the answer to. And this is going very bad all of a sudden. And they're like, hey, what's the Bible say about this? Does the Bible really say that? What does it have to say? And I'm like, yeah, hold on, you know, let me just check it out. I remember, where's the table of contents? Where's the end, you know, index? I'm trying really hard. And, you know, of all the moments um, of my teenage years, I have a lot that I would like to undo. But this is one that I really, really, really wish I had back, to have my friends on the bus curious about the Bible and asking me questions, and I got nothing, right? I so wish that I could have uh, had that opportunity again and, uh, and had a good, good answer, had stuff to say about what the Bible meant and what God's Word means to us. You know, I carried the Bible around a lot more than I read it because as a new Christian, new to faith, I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. You're supposed to have a big Bible, the heavier the better, right? And I thought a sports one was cool and so that would help me out. And, 
Um, and so I carried it around. But the truth is, and I don't know if any of you are, are here this morning when it comes to the Bible, but really, I carried it around, but I was intimidated by it. I was frustrated by it. I would open it up, and I was overwhelmed by it. Like, where do you even start? Right? Where do you, what do you even read? And, and I would get to things that I just didn't understand. I just felt dumb. I don't know if anybody else ever felt dumb reading the Bible. But I just, can I say dumb? I said, I already said it, so we'll just go with that. Um, and I had questions that I didn't know, that, you know, I had, I had there's no Google, right? I couldn't Google it. I could ask Jeeves, but I had 24 kilobyte per second dial-up, so that was going to take a week, right? So I just have a Bible, you have a question, you're like, I don't know the answer. Guess I'll never know the answer. Let's go to the next page, right? And so I struggled with the Bible, and um, I would hear people preach, and I'd go, man, that's awesome. i got to go read what he was reading, and I just did not, I could not figure out how they got that, all that out of this. And uh, it was just intimidating. And I, and I so wish that teenage me knew what I know now, that the Word of God is accessible, and that it can change your life, and that anybody can read it, and anybody can be impacted by it. Last Sunday, if you were here we kind of t- took an excuse to have fun and, and hang out, and we called it Kickoff Sunday, as this is the time of year that football's back up. You know, it's one of my favorite pictures from last week. That was a great one. Brady and Manning, it doesn't get any better than that, right? And so um, notice there are no Chicago Bears quarterbacks in that photo, um, but we're believing in Justin Fields. is going to be different, right? So um, I'm a Bears fan, and it's sad. So anyway, um, this is the time of year where I have a tendency to, like, be around people that don't like football, and I think it's my job to convince them that they do actually like football, right? And so most of the time, it's somebody that goes, you know, hey, I, don't, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know all the rules and the lines on the TV. And I swoop in with a notepad, and I'm like, check this out. Here's what third and seven means. You're going to get this. You're going to love it. Once you understand it, you're going to love it. Trust me, right? Because I just want people to love what I love. And, uh, and so similarly today, I want to just give you a nudge, right, and say, man, if you just knew what you were dealing with, if you just understood it a little bit better, you would love this book. It would change everything for you. It could really make a big difference like it has for me. And I want you to remember, I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up reading the Bible. I didn't grow up, like, I didn't know anything. This book has changed my entire life. And so um, I, want the, I want that for you. We've been in a series called Deeper Waters. And uh, the idea is that we want a deeper relationship with God, we want a deeper relationship with each other, and that's going to require us going out a little bit from our comfort zone. And so we're kind of wading out into deeper waters, covering some basics, and, and so today we're talking about getting deeper in the Word, deeper in the Bible. You know, there are people that are aggressively um, after this book, that hate the Bible, that attack the Bible and call it all kinds of names, and then there's lots of people who think, you know, it's just a book. Um, in this part of the country, there's people who think, yes, it's God's holy word. It's inspired. It's, it's the word of God. But I don't ever read it. I don't have time for it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And so um, for some of us, we understand it uh, to the best of our ability. We know that it's the, the word of God. That It's not just a book. It's the book, the good book, the holy Bible. And for some of us, it has changed everything. Um, you probably could guess this. The Bible is the most read book of all time. It is the best-selling book of all time. It's the most translated book of all time. You can imagine how hard it is to just read the Bible. Imagine reading it in one language and then putting it in another language, 
right? That's been done cover to cover more than 700 times, 700 unique languages of the Old and New Testament, both. And then if you add just the translations of the New Testament, um, which is a smaller task, right, you can add another couple of thousand languages the Bible has been translated uh, into. It's also, interestingly enough, the most stolen book of all time, which is just kind of funny, right? The, the Bible's been stolen more than any other book. And I would add it's the most misunderstood book. Uh, I know certainly I misunderstood it for a long time. Many religions, there are many religions in the world, many of them have a primary holy book of some sort that was written by one human being, whether we're talking about the writings of Muhammad and the Quran, or we're talking about Buddha or Joseph Smith or whoever, most of these books are written by one person, and so unsurprisingly, they have one steady voice. What blows my mind about the Bible is that it was written not by uh, one hand, but it was written by a large group of diverse people over hundreds of years on, in different countries, different languages. In fact, there are nearly 40 writers, as far as hand to pen, 40 different people, poets, prophets, those sound like people who'd write the Bible, farmers, soldiers, kings, shepherds, priests, historians, fishermen, tax collectors, businessmen, doctors, former terrorists. These are the people who sat down and wrote what we call the Bible. And yet, despite all these writers writing from caves and ships and palaces and deserts and prisons, there is still one story and there's actually one author, one voice, and it's God himself. God spoke and it was written. God inspired his spirit inspired, and it was penned by the hands of men, and he's kept it. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, the Bible talks about the Bible, pretty cool. Um, verse 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. Some versions say breathed out by God and useful to teach us what is true, because it's hard to tell what's true anymore in the world that we live in, and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. Now, that's not real fun. And it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I want you to underline that word, every. God's word prepares and equips us for which good works in our life? All of them. Every one. Let me say it this way. You can't experience all God has for you without knowing his word. Some people are trying to live for God and experience what he has for them just by coming to church on Sunday, just by turning into Christian radio. But you can't experience all God has for you without knowing his word. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. The first of three things that we want for everybody at Bluff First, um, we want you to know God, we want you to share life, we want you to step up into what God has for you. You can't really do the first one. You can't really know God um, without knowing his word. And so no matter where you're at today on your journey, today you can start to build your life on God's word. Not just what you hear on Sundays, although we do obviously want to honor God's word with what we teach and preach, but we wanted to go beyond that into a regular part of your life. Not just on your coffee table, not just on your nightstand, but actually something that you're reading and that it's transforming your life. Matthew said in chapter uh, 7, Matthew recorded what Jesus said. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching, anyone who listens to this word and follows it is wise 
like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And we see the parable there that the person who builds their life without the word of God, it's like building a house on sand. It's not going to end very well. Uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson put the Bible in his words as a paraphrase. And he, he takes that verse and he says this, these words are not incidental additions to life. It's not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. I, I couldn't say it any better. Your life will not turn out, will not be what it could have been without God's word. And so if that's true and we think the, the word is uh, not optional, but it's urgent for us as Christians, then the question becomes, how? And we got to get into the practical side of that. And I would say, if the Christian life is not practical, it's not the Christian life. Okay? The Christian life is not an hour on Sunday. It is a whole life. It's not just a Sunday thing. And so, um, the Bible's been called a lot of things, and all the analogies fall short, including my own. But some people say, well, you know, the Bible's like a rule book, or the Bible's like a love letter from God, or the Bible's like whatever. I want you to kind of picture it this way this morning, as the Bible as sort of your own um, owner's manual. And I've got a nice cheesy image there to, to back me up, right? The owner's manual for your life. God made everything, including you. He's the owner. He's the maker. And so he knows best how things work. He knows best how life works. He knows best what you need, what your heart believes, what you, what you, what you're what you tend to be deceived by or slipped up by. And so God has given us an owner's manual to help us live. Now, I'm not a big fan of owner's manuals, okay? Anybody not read the instructions when you're putting something together? I um, when I was in elementary school, I went to a vacation Bible school. We built birdhouses, and that's probably the best thing I've ever built. I'm not a handyman at all, and my family said amen. But even though I might lose my religion trying to put together an Ikea chair, I still try to build things without reading the instructions. I still think, ah, you know, I don't need this. I can lay this stuff out and figure it out on my own. And what happens, right? You build it, you're done, and there's leftover pieces. There's stuff that's like a little wob more wobbly than it should be, right? And, and here's what I'm here to say. I don't want you to get to the end of your life having built something that doesn't look the way that it was supposed to look, that isn't as sturdy as it was supposed to be, that has all kinds of pieces that are missing because you were so self-sufficient. I almost said self-deficient, which might be true, right? You were so self-sufficient that you said, you know what? I can go to church and hear a little bit of whatever, make me feel good, but like I can live this life without God's word. No, you need the owner's manual. And let me do my wife a favor and just go ahead and tell you, yes, she reads the instructions. No, she doesn't involve me most of the time when she buys something and needs to assemble it. She just does it herself and doesn't even ask me, right? We've been saying a lot lately, hey, whatever, wherever you're at, take one step. And so today in your journey to know God and to, and to understand the Bible, I want to say it again. I want you to take one step. And I'm going to give you three quickly. And I want you to identify where you're at and wherever you're at, take one. Okay? So you might be at square one. You need to take the first step. Or you might be ready to take step two or step three. The first one is a big deal. It's controversial. Most of the world does not want to do this, doesn't want anybody telling them what to do. But the first step is this. You may have a knowledge of the Bible, but I would challenge you to surrender 
to the Bible as the authority in your life. That's a really big deal. But, but here's the thing. If we want to grow in, in, in our faith and we want to follow Jesus, we want to have the kind of life that he talks about, um, that, that can't be that we just go, well, you know, the Bible, you know, it's something my preacher reads out of, but it's outdated, doesn't really apply to me, you know. And, and, and besides that, when it was written, you know, it's a different culture and, and, and you know, science and, and psychology have taught us more. Now we know we're smarter. We're smarter than the God who wrote the Bible, right? <laughs> Come on. And so we, we can't do that. We have to, if we're going to serve God, we have to say, well, how do we even know who God is? He's revealed himself in his word. And if it's his word, then it's perfect. It's flawless because he's perfect. He's flawless. And if it's perfect, maybe we ought to consider reading it and listening to it and doing what it says. And, and here's the thing. We have people all over America that go to church every Sunday, and they listen to somebody talk about the Bible, but the Bible's not a part of their life at all. And so here's what winds up happening. If you never open God's word to see what he says about himself and about you and about life, um, then what you wind up worshiping is a God who thinks just like you, right? You wind up serving a God who agrees with you on every issue. Well, that's pretty fun. That's pretty convenient, right? It's nice to just go, ah, this is what seems right to me, and so this is what I'm going to do, and God probably is cool with that. But when I open the Bible, I see a God that thinks differently than me and is smarter than me and knows things that I don't know. And as challenging as that is, it's really significant and it really makes a big difference. If you believe the Bible as the word of God, as its pages divinely inspired, you're going to have to submit and surrender your will and your worldview. And that's challenging. Um, but if we don't do that, what do we have? Like, what is this? This is public speaking. This is me talking for a half hour. Like, this is pointless. This is words of men. This is meaningless if we don't have an inspired word of God. Think about the world that you grew up in. Has it changed? How about the world your parents or your grandparents grew up in? Has anything changed? Has wisdom changed? Have the textbooks changed? Maybe at your school, you know, finances, maybe you still have the same textbooks. But for the most part, conventional wisdom is changing all the time. Do you know they used to promote, if you had wheezing, coughing, asthma, they thought a really good solution, a really good medicine for that was cigarettes. Dead serious. Look, you can look it up. There's, not one, there's, there's dozens of these ads. It's like, hey, you coughing? You won't cough for long. Smoke these, you know. I mean, it's crazy. And I'm not, listen, I'm not judging anybody that smokes. I'm just saying, at one time, we thought this is a good way to help what's going on with your lungs. Um, let's localize it a little bit. Let's, let's bring it down to your life. You ever, um, Facebook has this awesome thing where it'll tell you uh, stuff you said 10 years ago, memories, right? Or pull up pictures of you seven, eight years ago. Anybody else just like want to crawl under a rock when you see the stuff you said and the stuff that you wore? There was a trend, guys. There was a trend in like 2004 or 5 where you take the undershirt, the T-shirt like I have on underneath this button-up shirt. You put it over the button-up shirt. You put the undershirt as the over. I wore a button-up shirt and then a T-shirt on top of it. And it was cool. I think it was cool. <laughs> I thought it was cool. It's not cool if you're wearing a T-shirt over a button-up shirt today. I want to take a picture with you, and then I want to apologize. Um, but, but, like, listen, we look back five years, ten years, and we go, I was a moron, right? I have really bad news. Um, if, unless Jesus comes back or, or you leave this earth, 
in another five to 10 years, you might look back at today and go, what was I thinking? What was I wearing? What was I doing? Right? So if we are that quickly, five, 10 years out of style, out of wisdom, maybe we need something a little more firm to stand on and build our life on and build our families on. Maybe we need something that actually has some staying power. The word of God is eternal. Let me say it like this. The Bible is eternal truth from an eternal God for a temporary time here on earth. So this life is short, and yet the God who lasts forever has given us everlasting wisdom that we can use in this short life that matters so, so much. And as everything else changes and values change, even family to family, if y'all don't know that families are different, get married. You're going to find out real quick, that's not how we did it. That's not what my dad did, what my mom did. That's the, this doesn't even taste like her spaghetti, you know? <laughs> things are different in different families. Even um, the things that we get so worked up about, you guys know over the years that which political party is considered uh, conservative or liberal, that's changed over the decades. There's a time when it was, it was different. It's bounced back and forth. And so all this stuff is changing all the time. The only lasting truth is the word of God. If it calls something good, then no matter how painful it is, it is good. If it calls something wrong, then no matter how popular it is, it is wrong. And you might think that sounds restrictive. First off, let me say this. If you're not a Christian, it doesn't really matter what any of it says, right? You don't have to live according to this. You can't. And you're going to get to the end of life and figure out if it mattered or not. But if you're a Christian, the Bible is not restrictive. It's actually liberating. If you've ever tried to play a sport and there's no rules and there's no out-of-bounds lines, it's chaos, right? But with certain restrictions, it can, it can be fun. Listen, for me, there are so many topics and truths that, that are so difficult to navigate. And if I was left to my own wisdom, my own devices, and if I'm honest, my own people-pleasing, because I want everybody to like me, right? I, I would be tossed back and forth. I wouldn't know what to say about what issues. But if the Bible is clear and I've made up my mind that it's the authority in my life, then I don't have to second guess. I don't have to think about it. I don't even have to pray about it. If the word is clear, I know what to do. I know what to think. I know what to stand on, no matter what it costs me. And, and here's the thing. That's the reason that my life isn't off the rails. You know, I'm not trying to say I have arrived, but I'm not where I was, and I'm not where I could be. And that's because of the word of God. It's not because uh, you go to church a lot, you're a good, you're a goody two-shoes. It's because when I don't know what to do, the Bible speaks to me. When I don't know where to go, when I don't know who I am, the Bible reminds me of the truth. That's why I don't have any debt. That's why I don't have any doubt that my marriage is really going to be till death do us part. That's why I don't worry about whether or not my kids are going to grow up in a peaceful home where mom and dad love each other and love Jesus and love the church. Now, they'll make their own choices, but I know what they're going to get, even though we're imperfect. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bragging on me. Like, I, I didn't know anything. I was, I was not smart, <laughs> okay? I'm trying to say that nicely. 
but the word of God has changed my life. That's why I'm not struggling with addiction and, and abuse. That's why I, I'm not dealing with this stuff. And so for the people that think, oh, the Bible's going to ruin all my fun, it's given me more peace, more fulfillment, more joy, and honestly, even more fun. And the folks that got baptized today, you know, some of them, they don't want to get up in front of everybody and talk. Most of them. They don't want to get wet in front of a room full of people. But the word says, Jesus says, be baptized. And they say, well, that's, that's what goes then. And they obeyed. And that's awesome. If you're here and you're like, yeah, Pastor TJ, I agree. I took step one already. But it hasn't made that kind of impact in my life. I know the word of God is true. I believe it, but I'm not in love with it. Then the, and the last two will be quicker. Then step two is for you. Can you tell I drank all my coffee this morning? We just have, we have a full morning. I'm wound up. Okay. Step two. Once you have surrendered to the word of God's authority in your life, involve the Bible in your life regularly. I really want to say daily, but I don't want you to feel beat up when you miss a day. And, and so I want to say regularly, not just hearing me preach, but reading it. Reading it for yourself. And if that means on a phone, if that means on an audio Bible so you can focus, I, I don't care what translation it is, honestly. Like, figure, the, one, the right one to read is the one you'll read. And the right time to read it is when you'll actually read it, okay? So reading it, studying it, thinking about it, praying it, using it. When you wake up in the morning or, or I start to say on your drive, you don't want to be reading it on the drive, but maybe read it before the drive or listen to it or on your lunch break or, or at bedtime. I don't care when it is. The right time to read the Bible is whenever you will actually read the Bible, and so begin to involve it in your life. Not go days without it. Look, I don't go days without talking to my wife or my kids. I don't go days without checking my email or my Facebook notifications. I don't go days, even in the off season when nothing's happening, I don't go days without checking what's going on with the Chicago Bears. I mean, it's like May and I'm reading about some fourth string guy. Like I, I care about it, so I'm looking into it all the time. And yet, we can go days weeks without the word of God. I, I don't go, listen, I don't go days without eating food. I don't, very, I don't go very many half days without eating food. <laughs> All right, you guys got to kick that out. Huh? I'm going to trust you laughing with me and not at me on that. I, I, I don't go days, but how much more do I need you know, Jesus said man doesn't live on bread alone, though it's tempting, <laughs> but on every word of God. And so how do we go half a week, half a month, half a year? Some of us have gone half a lifetime without the word of God in our life. Well, that can change today. That can change. I hear so many people like, man, I just don't know what God wants. I don't know God's will. I don't hear God's voice. Do you read your Bible? No. Uh, John Piper, I think, has quoted, other preachers have said it. If you want to hear God speak, read your Bible out loud. If you want to hear his voice, read your Bible. He has spoken to us. And so make time for it. You're not going to trip and fall into it. You're not going to accidentally read your Bible. You're not going to think, oh, I thought I was scrolling Facebook. There's, I'm in John chapter 4. What do you know? It's not going to happen. Pick a time. Pick a place. I, you're, I'm giving you permission. Buy a chair. Buy a nice candle. Do what you got to do. Get a journal whatever, put a phone charger across the room, okay? Get in this book. Set a goal, right? Pick a gospel, book of the Bible. Here's what I don't recommend. If you've never read the Bible before, I don't recommend 
Well, it's a book, right? I'll just start in chapter one and I'll read through this thing. You're going to do okay at first. Genesis is pretty cool. Exodus is pretty exciting. Then you're going to get to Numbers and you're going to die. Okay? <laughs> like you're, you're going to want to die. You, you're, similarly, I, I don't recommend, hey, I've never read the Bible, but I've always kind of wondered what's going on in Revelation. That's not where I would start, okay? Pick a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, pick, pick, pick something from the New Testament. Take a, take a month, take 31 days, right? Read one proverb. For 31 days, you'll finish the book of Proverbs. Pick a plan. Pick a, maybe you want to do the Bible in a year. Maybe you want to do the New Testament in a year. That's a little easier. That sounds so daunting. You pick this up, and you're like, how could I read all this? Look at this. You want to read the entire Bible in a year, it takes 12 minutes a day. Now, the downside is you miss a day, you got to read 24 minutes, whatever. The New Testament, you want to read that in a year. Three minutes a day. Can I ask you something? How long are you in the bathroom every day? You got three minutes. You have three minutes. You could do it. You really could. I'm, try I'm trying not to make a joke right now. Um, that was on point number two, though, wasn't it? Okay, anyway. Uh, so, number three. <laughs> that might have been worse than the joke I didn't make. Okay. Number three. So you say, the Bible is my authority, and I'm involving it in my life. But for some of us, we're already there, but it's become stale. It's become lifeless. And I would say this in conclusion. Let the Bible read you and then respond. Don't forget why you're doing this. It's not to check it off a list. It's not just to do your religious duty. It's to invite God to speak to you, to, to be attentive, to hear from him. Yeah, what does this say? But more than that, what does it mean? And, and who is this God? What does it tell me about him? What does it tell me about me? What am I supposed to do? James said, don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Information is great. It needs to lead to transformation. And if you get to something you don't understand, Google it. And you'll find commentaries. You'll find explanations. And you can match up and see. They're not all trustworthy, but you can see what makes sense. Or you can text me, and I'll Google it, and I'll see what it says because I don't know either, right? But the Bible speaks about your battle, your fear, your anxiety, your money, your sickness, your identity, your sexuality, your family, your parenting, your friendship, all of that. Let's build our life on that foundation. You say, I don't have a theology degree. I didn't go to Bible college. Me neither. You say, I grew up on a gravel road. Me too. This book can still change your life. It might cost you a Netflix episode or two. It might cost you a little bit of time in the morning, right? But if you can remember, it's not just about information, theology, and homework, and Christian responsibility. It's about relationship. It's not an obligation to read the Bible. It is a privilege, but sometimes it's a discipline. You do it when you don't feel like it because you want that relationship, and if you'll do that, you can actually enjoy it. You could find God in these pages. You could look for him, learn what he's like, listen to him, and be refreshed and be changed. You could let your wounds be exposed and be healed. You could listen to his advice. You could let him empower you. Some of y'all are dealing with issues in your life that are self-created. 
And it is as simple as just knowing what the word of God says. You wouldn't do that and you wouldn't be in that spot. Not everything. Sometimes stuff just happens. We've had a month. We've had a summer. There's been some stuff just happened. And it wasn't because I didn't know the word of God. It just happens. Okay? But it's so much of it is avoidable because the word is alive and active. I know today's been different. We changed the service order. We usually baptize at the end. It's just been a crazy day. But I want to pray for you right now. If I kill it all over this room. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray that the word of God would change your life, and then we're, we're going to dismiss right after that, okay? Let you get to lunch, let you get to football, whatever. But I'm just praying that you might take a step. Take a step towards getting in a small group. Take a step towards opening the word of God in your life. You can use a version plan and read it with your family, your coworkers, your small group. There's so many ways to go after this. If you don't know what to do, talk to us. If you don't have a Bible, talk to us. We want to help you Take this step. Jesus, meet us in this place. We love your word because it tells us in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh. We don't read this Bible because it's a book. We read it because it's about a person. And God, you breathed your life into its pages. Jesus, you are the word personified. And so we just pray that as we open it, as we read it, as we stumble through it, God, that we get to know you better and that it would change us from the inside out. If there's anybody here not walking with you, I pray that even right now, God, you would just transform their heart and that they would surrender to you as Lord of their life. They would begin to take steps to following you, to knowing you better, to opening your word, to being baptized, whatever it might be. And you would change each and every one of us, whether we've never read the Bible or we've read it cover to cover a dozen times. Let us fall in love with it again. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.